All right, one last announcement before we get into the message tonight. Since we've been talking about um, clothing ourselves in the armor of God, I thought uh, over these past few weeks, I, I thought that now kind of seems uh, fitting for us to just pause and briefly talk about um, the clothes that we're wearing to hype, okay? Over the past few weeks, we've noticed a handful of students that have worn um, particular articles of clothing that would be deemed inappropriate according to the uh, middle school and the high school student handbooks. And, uh, and so I'm not here to, to point anybody out, single anybody out. I don't want you to look around and be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe what they're wearing, you know? And so, um, but here's what I want to do, okay? It's not about trying to embarrass anyone, but I just want to give this general challenge and just, just so that everyone's on the same page so that we know what's acceptable and what's not. Um, I just want to give this general challenge to all of you. Can I encourage you guys to think about how your clothing choices, even something as simple as what you wear, uh, might impact those around you? 1 Corinthians 10.24 says, Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. And then verse 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, getting dressed, right, do it all for the glory of God. And so I'm, I'm going to ask you to help me out in this area. I'm not asking you to, to be the clothing police for everyone else. I don't want you to come in and, and tell me who's wearing clothes that aren't or that are inappropriate. But I am asking you to focus uh, on what you choose to wear to hype. I'm asking you to have a conversation with your parents and when you get home and ask them to help you think about the, ch- the clothing choices that you make and just choices that you make in general, uh, this is a good conversation to have with your mom and dad and, uh, and whether or not those choices are, are for the good of others and for the glory of God. Remember, we talked about uh, the, the last week, we talked about the motive behind our actions needs to be for God's glory. And so think about whether or not anything that you wear to hype would be more distracting than beneficial. And if so, consider the good of others and, and the glory of God and just choose to wear something that doesn't distract from the main purpose of hype, which is to help you as students grow deeper in your relationship with Christ and to learn how to live that faith out in a daily uh, uh, manner together with others. So if you don't know what the dress code is, maybe you've never seen it before, maybe you've never read the handbook. Um, you can find the link to both school handbooks on the Hype Facebook page. I posted those yesterday. And um, if you go to facebook.com, crosspointcc hype, that's our Facebook page. Facebook.com, crosspoint, C R O S S P O I N T, CC, and then hype. That's our Facebook page. You can find the links there. I'd encourage you to go look at those, have your parents look at those with you. As a general rule, if you can't wear it to school, uh, then you shouldn't wear it here, okay? Um, jackets and hats and the regulations for those things aren't necessarily an issue, but the regulations for shirt tops and um, extreme brevity is what one of their definitions is. Um, printed clothing and shorts and skirts, the fingertip length and all that stuff, that includes holes in the jeans, um, just different things like that. Uh, all those things that apply to the school regulations are going to apply here as well. And, uh, and so the hype leaders and I, we're going to hold you guys accountable in this. And, uh, and so, um, because we want this to be a place where students can come and focus on God without any unwanted or unneeded distractions. Okay? Deal? Okay. Uh, so thank you. Thank you in advance for doing your part in helping others stand strong in the Lord and keep their armor on. Right? All right. Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, hopefully you have that bookmarked. Um, this is week four of our series called Armor Up, and we've been working out 
uh, our way through verses 10 through 18 of Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, this is where Paul talks about putting on the full armor of God so that we can stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and uh, against the schemes of our spiritual enemy, uh, the devil, and all the dark spiritual forces of this world and in the heavenly realms. And so just to get the whole context of the passage um, sort of refreshed in our minds, we've been at this for about three or four weeks now. And uh, the first week, we all stood up together and we read this whole passage together. I'd like to start our night off by doing that again, and, uh, and just so that we have this whole context in, in mind as we talk about the third piece of armor tonight. So will you guys stand up with me? And then we're going to read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18 together. And we'll do it up on the screen so that we're all reading from the same translation so it doesn't sound like a jumbled mess. All right? Ready? Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, You may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Good work. You guys can sit down. Okay, so now we have the context. Let's do a quick recap. Who gives us the armor? God. Whose armor is it? God's. Whose strength do we stand firm in? God's. Who are we fighting against? The devil. Who are we not fighting against? God. And who else? People. Flesh and blood, right? How much of the armor do we need to put on? All of it. When do we take it off? Never. Good work. Good work. All right, let's quickly review the first two pieces of armor that we should still have on, right, since we don't take it off. The first one is the belt of truth. What does the belt do for the Roman soldier? Who remembers? Yeah. Holds up their big robe, yep. Uh, Everything gets bound up together under that belt and cinched down. Um, So then what does the belt of truth do for us? Who remembers that? It helps us to believe and behave, right? Right. What you believe is how you behave, right? So it helps us not only to believe the truth, but also to behave according to that truth. So we have the belt of truth on, uh, and last week we put on the breastplate of righteousness. What is the bre- the man? That's a hard word to say. What does the breastplate do for the Roman soldier? Protects the heart. Protects the vitals. It's it's the covers the torso, right? All the, all the main things here that, uh, that can kill you really quickly. Um, 
So last week we talked about how God alone is perfectly righteous and, uh, and he demands that we be righteous and holy. But since we're incapable of anything good on our own, we need God's righteousness to be applied to our own lives in order to satisfy his demand for us to be holy. So he sent Christ to live a perfect holy life and to die on the cross and, and to pay this price for our unrighteousness or sin and arise from the grave so that his righteousness, Christ's righteousness, could be applied to the lives of all who believe in him and bring them back into a right relationship with God forever. For every believer, the righteousness of Christ not only replaces our unrighteousness, but then it gives us the desire to live a life of honesty, authenticity, and integrity on a daily basis. In other words, it gives us the desire to live righteously before God and man. So remember uh, that the same, with the same intensity that God wants you to be holy, Satan wants you to be unholy. And he'll use whatever means he can, including persecution, to try and draw us into sin and away from the righteousness of Christ. So the breastplate of righteousness helps us uh, protect our heart and soul from being corrupted by unholiness or sinfulness. Satan wants to draw us into sin, wants to make us unholy. God wants to use all the things that Satan does and and tries to attack us with, uh, not to, to lead us into temptation or into sin, but to actually bring us through those things and, and build uh, perseverance and character and hope and faith in us and help us to live in a righteous way because of Christ. So we have on the belt of truth, we have on the breastplate of righteousness, and now Paul says in verse 15 that our feet need to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, they didn't have these like combat boots back then like we do now, but every Roman soldier wore a pair of sandals on his feet that helped him in battle. And here's a picture of what they kind of look like, all right? Still a little blurry. Sorry. It's the best I, I can do so right now. Um, but the, the, the sandals, they had thick leather soles, uh, and these soles were embedded with short nails or pieces of rock uh, that dug into the ground and helped the soldier get traction. Um, they would be considered, they'd be similar to a modern-day like football cleat or or a uh, uh, running shoe, uh, uh, like track shoe. Just think about like spikes, okay, on the bottoms of your feet, on the bottoms of your shoe, and that they help you, you gain grip for stability and, and speed. Okay, these sandals, they were fastened to the Roman soldier's feet with multiple thick leather straps that were strong and durable and helped the soldier have confidence that they weren't going to come off uh, in, in the heat of battle. And, uh, you know, we, we, we can tie up and lace up our shoes and they come over us and things like that, but to to have some open shoes like that still. They need a lot of straps to keep them on your feet. Um, these sandals also gave the soldier some protection against any injury that they would sustain if, from enemy traps if, if they had bare feet. Uh, have you ever stepped on something really hard, uh, barefooted or sharp? You know what I'm talking about? Lego? Oh, yeah. So a couple days ago, I was, I was, um, I was walking down our hallway in, in our house, and I was walking to my son's room. And right before I got into his room, uh, on the floor by the door, he had a pair of suspenders sitting there from, uh, that he had worn at, the, at a wedding this weekend. And I didn't see it, and, and, but I definitely felt it, okay? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you step on that thing, and it was like right in the middle of the arch of my foot. And have you ever done that where you go and you step on something and all your weight is on it, and then all of a sudden all your weight is not on it because you want to get off that thing, and your leg turns like to a spaghetti noodle, and you're, all of a sudden you're just down on the ground going, what happened? You know what I mean? So you know, okay? It helps to have something to protect 
the, the soles of your feet. It helps to have something protect uh, something that's vulnerable like that. Um, if those soldiers lost their footing, they'd be lucky if they were able to, to just kind of lay there and go, what happened? Typically, remember that, that this was hand-to-hand combat back then, okay? It wasn't a lot of, they had archers and things like that, but there was no artillery, no long-range missiles, nothing like that. Most of the fighting was done on foot, hand-to-hand, and so uh, if they lost their footing, it usually meant death for them, right? Because they lost the advantage, and somebody could easily come up and, uh, and end their life. And so, um, so the sandals, they may not seem initially like an important piece of, of armor or an important piece of equipment, but they were very important to the Roman soldier, and they will be very important to us, which we will see tonight. What, what does Ephesians 16 tell us about the sandals that we put on in the armor of God? Ephesians 6.15, what does it say? The preparation of the gospel of peace, right? They give us the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. But what does that mean? Some people interpret this verse to mean that we need to be ready to go and share the good news uh, of the gospel with others. If you go back to the picture of the football cleat, um, the spikes on his shoes give the running back the sure-footedness to be able to cut left or right and dodge tackles and advance the ball forward, right? Uh, And it's true that we do need to, to be ready um, and able to advance the gospel forward and share it with others. But there, there, and there's a clear call in Scripture for us to go and make disciples of all nations, right? But we need to remember that uh, the context of what Paul's describing here. We need to remember that he's describing the armor in Ephesians 6 here. Uh, he's giving a picture not of a soldier who's advancing, but of a soldier who is holding his ground and standing firm, Right? And so the running back isn't the only one on the football field who's wearing cleats. There are linemen there too. Uh, And their job is to hold their ground against the oncoming attack of the defensive line to protect their quarterback. Their shoes help them stay sure-footed and and be able to stand firm against the pressure that's coming. And so in the context here, I want you guys to think not running back, but think linemen, okay? Think strong, standing, getting a a good stance, ready to, to face the onslaught of pressure that's coming. Paul is referring to the sure-footedness or stability of a believer because uh, that a believer has because of the gospel. It's the gospel that gives him peace and makes him able to stand his ground, ready to battle against the oncoming attacks of the enemy. So, what kind of peace does the gospel give us? Well, tonight we're going to talk about three uh, three kinds. Okay, peace with God, peace with one another and peace in the midst of the enemy's attacks. We're going we're gonna to cover some ground on some scripture tonight, so you can just stay where you're, where you're at in, in Ephesians chapter 6, and you can write these down if you want, but they'll be up on the screen. You can read along with me as I read them. Um, but I think they'll serve us well tonight to, uh, to go through some of these and help us see these three types of peace that we can have because of the gospel, okay? So Colossians 1, 19 through 23 says, For God was pleased... To have all his fullness dwell in him, this is talking about Jesus, and through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. 
Positional righteousness, right? We talked about that last week. Without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. The good news of the gospel is that through Christ's death and resurrection, every believer has been reconciled to God. We're no longer at war with God because of our sin. Jesus is our peace treaty between us and God. He's our peace treaty with God. And now he fights for us instead of against us. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what? Want to take a guess? Peace. Peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his, this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. A few verses later, in uh, verses 6 through 10, it says, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, have, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? How encouraging it is for the follower of Christ to know that because of Jesus, God has gone from being your enemy to your ally, to, from, from condemning you to death to giving you life. Last week, I shared that my kids uh, have been having bad dreams recently, and it's been keeping them awake at night. And when they call us into their rooms, one of the first things that we say to them is, um, uh, it, it, one of the first things that we do is remind them that God is with them, right? And, 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 and so we, we ask them uh, what, what it is that's, that's scaring them and, and talk about that a little bit. Um, and then we ask them, is there anything stronger than God? And they smile. I got a six-year-old and a four-year-old and a four-month-old, and he smiles all the time, but he doesn't know any better. Um, so we ask them, is there anything stronger than God? And, and they say, they smile, and they say no, right? And so then we, we pray, and we ask God to remind them that he's with them uh, while they sleep even. And, and a lot of times I like to kind of bear hug them and just say, listen, when I walk away from this. This is what God is still doing to you. He's bear hugging you. And just, just to remember that, that he's with you all the time. And, uh, and so um, lately, my son, he's four, he's been coming out in the mornings when he's, after he wakes up from a good night's sleep. And, uh, and he'll come out and go, Dad, I had a bad dream last night, but Jesus fought my bad dream and turned it into a good dream. And they'll go, thank you, Jesus. And I love that. I love that because it's such a simple truth, but it's such an important truth that we understand that. As believers in Christ, we have God. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He is with us all the time, and he fights for us, even in, even in our dreams, even in our dreams. Jesus is our ally. He's with us. Every believer can have peace that God is no longer fighting against him, but for him. And the confidence that we have in knowing that God is with us and will give us strength for the battle allows us then to stand firm when we face uh, the battle. 
Again, this is a good reminder that it's God's armor and that it's God's strength that we use. Since we're at peace with God, God is our strength and nothing can separate us from him and his love for us. Romans 8 talks more about that. I encourage you guys to go home tonight, later this week, read that with a friend or with a family member and just be reminded of that, of that truth. Romans chapter 8. The gospel gives every believer peace with God and because uh, we have peace with God, then we can have peace with other believers. In my study for this message, I came across a statistic that I found really interesting. Uh, from about 1500 BC to the year 1860 AD, uh, there have been more than 8,000 peace treaties that were written and broken. Okay? Over 8,000 peace treaties that were written and broken. More if you count, uh, if you bring us all the way up to speed to 2014. The average peace treaty during that time period lasted only two years. Two years. 8,000 peace treaties, all of them were broken, and, and the longest they ever lasted was two years, or the, at least the average was two years. In that time frame, over 3,300 years of, of time span we're talking here, only 286 of those years have been without war. And that's not consecutive. That's 286 total years out of 3,300 uh, 3, years where there was no war. Needless to say, we're really good at fighting with each other. We're really good at being at war with one another. But Jesus changes that in the life of every believer. Earlier in, in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul talks about the division that once stood between the Jews and the Gentiles. And he says that at one time the Gentiles... Uh, were separate from Christ and excluded from the citizenship in Israel, and they were foreigners to the covenants of the promise that God gave Israel, and they were without hope and without God in the world. But in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul talks about the great mystery that's been revealed to him. He says this in chapter 3, verse 6. He says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. In chapter 2, Paul says that Jesus himself is their peace because he has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility between the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers and has made them one in Christ. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're included in the Gentile believers. If you're a believer in here tonight, you are a Gentile believer unless you have Jewish blood, okay? And so because of Jesus, we who once were alienated from him, separated from him, uh, as Paul says, without hope and without God in the world, Jesus gave us a way to God so that it's not just the Jews that have access to him. All believers do. Aren't you thankful for that? Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28 uh, say, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, Male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. As we've been talking about the armor of God and putting it on, there's a lot of imagery here about, about putting clothing on, putting armor on, and it all has the same theme. It's, it's Christ. It's Jesus. It's God himself. Because of, what, of Christ's work on the cross, every believer is a co-heir together with Christ and with one another in the grace of God. One believer is not better than another. We are one in Christ. We put on the same armor. We fight against the same enemy, not against flesh and blood, but against the devil and the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms and on the earth. 
We don't fight against each other. Now remember, Satan will do anything that he can to create division in the body of Christ, but God calls us to unity in the body of Christ. If you remember uh, back in January, we did a, we did a series with uh, another church here in Eureka, with Eureka Bible students, talking about the body of Christ and the unity that we have together. If you want to listen to that, you can go way back on the podcast and find it there. Um, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22 says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. That is a promise that's true for every believer, not just Jew, not just Gentile. If you have put your faith in Christ, you now have the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. Because of the good news of the gospel, we can be at peace not only with God, but we can also be at peace with one another, and we can stand firm together as one unified army against our spiritual enemy. And when we have peace with God and peace with each other because of the good news of the gospel, then we can have peace in the heat of the battle when our enemy, the devil, is attacking us. Last week, we talked about the fact that everyone who wants to to live a a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, right? That's 2 Timothy 3.12. In John 16.33, Jesus himself promises that we'll face trouble in this world. We will face trouble. If you're a believer in Christ, you cannot get out of this life without facing some kind of trouble. Jesus promises it. Paul promises it. It's in the word of God. You can't get away from it, okay? But Jesus says this. He says, uh, I've told you these things so that in me you will have what? Peace. He says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. The same question that I ask my kids, is there anything stronger than God? No, right? He's overcome the world. When we remember, just like my kids did, that there is nothing that can overpower Jesus, nothing that's stronger than God, we can smile and we can have peace in our hearts, even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of trials and testing, because we can know that we're ultimately safe from harm, even death itself. Our enemy can take away our, everything physical from us, he can, he can, uh, including our own life. We can be killed because of our faith. But he can never take away the salvation that we have in Christ. He can torture and he can kill our bodies, but he can't torture and kill our souls. We are secure in Christ Jesus, and I hope that you know that tonight as a believer. And if you don't, if you're not a believer, I hope You'll put your trust in him so that you can have that security. No one and no thing can snatch us out of the hand of God if we have put our hope and our trust in Jesus. Romans eight thirty five through 39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. You will be persecuted. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What an amazing promise, right? Nothing, no thing can separate you from Christ if you've put your faith in him. What, what a great peace that truth should bring to every believer. 
What great strength that provides us to stand sure-footed in battle, knowing that we won't be left to fight on our own. Our feet need to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace because it's only in the gospel where we can truly find peace. I have a short video to show you guys tonight, and I hope that it helps you get an image of, of how cheap and brittle the foundations are that we try to build our life of peace on, all the foundations that is except for the foundation of the gospel of peace. So let's watch this, and we'll talk about it. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 22. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. God himself says that there will be no peace for those who are opposed to him. Those who fight against God will never have peace. Maybe you, you feel like it uh, for a while while you, uh, in, this, in this lifetime on this earth, okay? Sort of like those few years of treaty that we talked about in the midst of the 3,300 years. You might feel like you're going along good. Maybe you have some of those foundations that the video was showing. And maybe they haven't crumbled yet, but they will. Ultimately, if you continue to reject Christ and his gospel until you die or until he returns, then you'll spend eternity in the exact opposite of peace. The Bible says that you'll be in eternal torment and anguish in hell apart from God, unending, never stopping. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has made peace with God available to you through his sacrifice on the cross. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Don't stake your peace on a foundation that won't last. Put your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ and let him be your peace. If you're a follower of Christ in here, if you're a believer and you have put your hope and trust in Christ, then put on your gospel shoes, okay? Uh, fit your feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Be ready to go and share the good news with others, but, but let the peace of Christ overwhelm you. Let the peace of Christ sustain you and give you strength to stand firm amidst the onslaught of the oncoming attacks from the enemy. Take joy in your peace with God through Jesus. Seek peace with other believers through Jesus and stand firm together through Jesus, ready for battle against our true enemy. And may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can have peace in you. Thank you that you Never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that every promise that you've given uh, for the believer in Christ is a yes in Christ. It's, it comes true that you do not go back on your word, that everything that you've told us uh, will come to be. And uh, Lord, I pray for that that would be an encouragement tonight for the student uh, or leader or parent who listens to the podcast or whoever uh, that just needs to be reminded of the peace that they have in you as a believer in Christ. And, and uh, I pray that you would bring that to them tonight. And I pray for those that don't know you, that are, are still fighting against you, that are rejecting you. I pray, God, that, that there would be no peace in their life until, uh, until they realize that they can only find it in you. And I pray, God, that they then would find it in you, that they would turn their life to you and surrender uh, to you. And God, would you help us to continue to put on the full armor of God together 
that we have the belt of truth on, that we have the breastplate of righteousness on, and now uh, we are fitting our feet with the readiness with the, uh, that comes from the gospel of peace. Thank you for our time together tonight, Lord, and I pray that as we go out this week, as we uh, maybe for those that are still reading the Psalm 119, God, or just as we read your word together um, and on our own, that you would open our eyes to the marvelous things of your law and that you would teach us, God, how to obey it, that you would help us to learn and you would give us a passion for it and that you would bring unity to us as believers in Christ so that together we can stand firm in the Lord and in his mighty strength. It's in his mighty name that we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.